Before tonight's episode, I want to let you know about our supporters feed, Get Sleepy Premium, the best way to experience the show and get a good night's sleep. With Get Sleepy Premium, everything is ad-free. You'll receive a bonus episode every week and have full access to our entire back catalogue. Your support really helps and means so much to us. Simply tap the link in the show notes to learn more. Now, a quick word from our sponsors who make it possible for us to bring you two free episodes each week. Welcome to Get Sleepy, where we listen, we relax, and we get sleepy. I'm Tom, and I'm your host. Thanks so much for being here tonight. Many people have fond memories of the long, carefree summers of childhood when they roamed their neighborhoods all day. Tonight, we'll return to that world, and more specifically, to a summer day in 1982. It's okay if you don't have similar memories of that time. If you weren't born yet, or if you were already an adult back in 82, you can still listen to tonight's story and enjoy a lazy summer day as you drift off to sleep. We'll follow Brian and his friends around their neighborhood as they enjoy their vacation and their special time being kids. It will all be read by the wonderfully soothing voice of Marcellus. Let's settle in for tonight's story with a moment of mindfulness and relaxation. I'm sure you'll agree, many of life's most precious moments and memories tend to be made in the warm summer months when the weather is bright and the evenings are long. So, as you relax into bed, letting your breathing become slow and steady. Allow your mind to trace back to a beautiful summer memory you can recall. It might be one from your childhood, like in tonight's story, or one of your first holidays as an adult or perhaps it was as recent as the last few years. Whatever naturally comes to mind, just go with it and allow yourself to calmly reminisce. Breathe in and out. And just pay attention to what stands out in that memory. Is it the location and your surroundings? The people you were with? Or the pleasant solitude of exploring on your own? Maybe it's the comfort of home, laying in a sunny garden. 
whatever that precious memory holds for you, let it flow through your mind and fill you with that same summery warmth you would have experienced at the time. Take a nice, deep breath in now. And as you let the air flow back out, allow that memory to gently drift away, bringing your attention back to the here and now. Marcellus has a summer story to share, so you can let your imagination be your guide as you listen along tonight. Begin by imagining that you have traveled 40 years back in time. You are with 10-year-old Brian, who is just waking up in his bedroom to the sound of birds outside his window. He's about to have a day of glorious, laid-back summer fun. Let's join him now as our story begins. Brian walked quietly down the beige-carpeted stairs of his house, feeling the fibers sink under his bare feet. His mom and dad had already left for work, and he had the entire house to himself. Instead of making any loud noises, however, he had the feeling he should tread lightly. It was as if the silence needed to be respected. He reached the bottom of the staircase and walked through the living room with its large couches upholstered in neutral tweed fabric. The seating area and coffee table were perfectly arranged without a speck of dust in sight. Every pillow on the couch was plumped just perfectly, as if awaiting an important adult visitor. He tiptoed straight by. He wasn't allowed to mess around in there. He padded through the dining room next, with its oval teak table for six. Like the living room, This wasn't a place for kids. The dining room was only used for parties and special occasions. He rounded the corner into the kitchen, where he could always make himself at home. The blinds were up, and the sun was streaming brightly through the window. It 
created a happy yellow square in the middle of the yellow and brown linoleum floor. Despite the dark oak cabinets, the room felt bright. The marigold countertops and gold-colored refrigerator seemed to echo the sun's cheerful mood. And what was there not to be cheerful about? He had this entire glorious day of summer vacation stretching ahead of him. The neighborhood was waiting. Pulling open the cupboard, he surveyed his breakfast options. Without his mom there to give him the eye, he could happily dive into a bowl or two of the puff corn cereal. However, a toaster pastry was what really sounded good at the moment. He pulled the box down and opened it, tearing open one of the fat foil packets inside and extracting a delicious-looking pink-frosted rectangle. Sliding it into the silver toaster on the counter, he pushed the lever down. Then, he fetched himself a plate and a large glass out of another cabinet. The glass was one he'd gotten as a prize from a local fast food restaurant. He had saved the tabs from the kids' meals for weeks in order to earn it. He opened the fridge and grabbed a carton of milk from the door. His mom was very firm about the fact that he and dad should never drink straight from the carton. He very consciously poured his milk into the glass, feeling like a good rule follower. While he waited for the toaster pastry to finish, he sipped his milk, savoring its cold creaminess. He read the note that had been left on the counter. It said, There's bologna in the fridge for lunch. Stay in the neighborhood. Call me later. Love, Mom. On top of the note was a dollar bill. He knew that was so he could buy a treat later. He grinned and stuffed the dollar into the pocket of his shorts. The toaster popped up with a spring noise and Brian lightly gripped the hot pastry with two fingers and dropped it onto his plate. Then, taking his milk, he carefully walked into the family room where food was allowed. He was always eating snacks in there after school. Sometimes his parents would even let him have a frozen dinner in the family room network specials were on. Of course, he had to be careful not to spill. Flipping on the TV, he turned the dial to his favorite game show, 
People were being chosen from the audience to participate, and they were very excited. As he ate his breakfast in large bites, he thought about how he'd like to go to California sometime and see if he could get picked from the audience on a game show. He always knew the answers better than the people on TV anyway. As soon as he was done, he switched off the TV and returned to the kitchen to put his dishes in the sink. He opened a tall cabinet by the window that his mom used for storing the step stool and tall things like mops and brooms. Inside, there was a house key hanging on a long string. He grabbed the key and looped it over his head, letting it fall on his chest. Leaving the kitchen behind, he shuffled into the entryway of the house, where his sneakers were sitting by the door. He sat on the cool towels and pulled open their Velcro closures, sliding them easily onto his feet. He was ready to roll. Setting the front door to lock behind him, Brian pushed past the screen door and walked out onto the front porch. The summer air was heavy with rising humidity and the lazy chorus of insects. Already, the sun was blazing over his suburban street. He stepped off the shady front stoop and walked over to where he dumped his BMX bike in the grass last night, feeling the full force of the sunshine hitting his shoulders. His father was very insistent about him not leaving the bike in the driveway. Dad said he was liable to run over it with the station wagon. Brian lifted up his bike and slung his leg over it, pushing gently off the cement driveway with both feet, lifting them clearly off the ground. He coasted down to the street, smoothly turning to the left. His bike slowed down gradually as the incline increased and he put his feet on the pedals to generate some fresh speed. Houses slowly moved by on either side of him in shades of brown, tan, yellow, and white. Most of the grown-ups were at work, but a neighbor could be seen here and there walking to the tall mailbox at the curb or setting up a sprinkler. Brian stood up on the pedals and pumped them to go even faster. Whipping around the corner, he coasted downward again, smiling with delight as he felt the wind pick up. Then another upward incline slowed his pace. 
by the time he had reached his friend Eric's house. He was able to turn expertly into the driveway, as he had a hundred times before, and drop his bike in the grass almost while it was still moving. Walking up to the front door, Brian rang the doorbell and waited. It was only moments before the sound of running feet thundered inside, and Eric pulled open the door with a wide grin. As if by tacit agreement, both boys plunged back off the porch, Brian reclaiming his bike, and Eric disappearing into the open garage. He reappeared shortly, pushing his battered bicycle. And the two boys were rolling down the driveway together before they exchanged a single word. Jason said he'll meet us at the creek, Eric said over his shoulder, racing ahead. He was making for the dead end. Beyond it lay a tangled woodland with an enticing, muddy stream. The boys had some secret projects planned. The branches hung low over their heads, and the trail was not well cleared, which was partly why the boys liked it. Most neighborhood kids knew about this route to the stream. Discarded items like soda tabs and empty plastic ice pop sleeves showed it. Still, it seemed like adults never came here, and you could leave a project in progress. Like a rope swing, it was always there when you came back. Brian and Eric reached their destination quickly. It was a clearing with a large tree that hung over a small, bubbling stream. The trampling feet of various kids over the years had created an area of packed dirt. Someone had brought an old tire they liked to sit on. And one enterprising person had nailed a few boards up to the trunk of the tree so you could easily get up to the lowest branch and sit there. It was the perfect hideout. Jason was standing on two rocks, straddling the stream. He was constructing a small dam using debris and stones he found nearby. He announced that he was planning to create a pond and stopped the water from flowing. Why he wanted to do this was unclear, but the other boys threw themselves into the task, combing the surrounding area for more materials. They worked at this for what seemed like a long time, but as the lunch hour approached, Their dam was still not working very well. 
Jason examined their handiwork with his hands on his hips. The water pooling around his slip-on sneakers. Then, without a word, he kicked the dam and laughed. It was as if the boys were all thinking the same thing. In seconds, they had delightedly pushed the dam down, and the water of the stream gurgled merrily on its way, just as it had done before. Brian sat on the discarded tire while Eric hung on the rope swing. He hiked his legs up above him and hung his head, slowly twisting himself up and then spinning as it unwound. A hot breeze rustled through the trees, but the boys were protected from the blazing sun by the thick foliage overhead. It seemed as if the birds and insects were having a quiet nap to wait out the heat of the day. The woods were nearly silent. Jason picked his way along the rocks in the stream, balancing with his arms wide. The trio stayed like that for a while, just soaking up the magnificence of the empty summer day. When they had meditated on the glory of solitude long enough, Brian said, let's go to my house for lunch. In immediate agreement, Eric dropped his rope swing and Jason hopped off the rocks. Leaving their damn project behind, they guided their bikes back along the rocky trail, through the tall grass, and re-emerged in civilization at the top of Eric Street. They were soon pedaling again, relishing the feeling of the wind in their faces after their morning in the stillness of their woodsy hideout. Brian zigzagged through the empty street, making slow triangles from one driveway to the next across the way. Left. Right. Left. Right. His friends fell in formation behind him, and they moved together in a swooping pendulum toward his house. The warm, fat tires of his bike made a soothingly rhythmic sound as they bumped over the cracks in the pavement. Swish. Clunk. Swish. Clunk. He imagined he was flowing through a maze in a pinball machine. They reached his driveway and dropped their bikes off unceremoniously right in the middle. No adults would be coming home before they left again. Pulling his key from around his neck, Brian unlocked the front door. 
The boys tumbled into the dark coolness of his air-conditioned front hallway. They thought to kick their shoes off, but left them scattered all over the floor, much as the bikes had landed outside. Brian scuffed his socks across the bumpiness of the kitchen linoleum and pulled open the fridge. Bologna or peanut butter? He asked his friends. They all chose bologna. So we found the package along with the jar of mayonnaise. Pulling a plastic bag of white bread off the top of the fridge, he laid the sandwich ingredients out on the counter. While his friends made themselves sandwiches, he returned to the refrigerator and got three foil juice packs with straws. He handed each of his friends a lemonade and then turned to making his own lunch. Laying two fat slices of bread on a large plate, he dipped the knife into the mouth of the mayonnaise jar and then smoothly spread the creamy white goodness across each piece. Then, prying open the round bubble of the bologna container, he teased out several generous pieces, alternating them with slices of American cheese, freshly liberated from their plastic sleeves. With a satisfied smile, he closed the sandwich and then cut it into triangles. All three boys took their sandwiches into the family room and sat down in front of the TV. What are we playing? Brian asked. A negotiation ensued. Jason wanted to play one game, but Eric objected. He said that it was too easy to keep accumulating lives and they'd never finish the game. Brian had to agree. Instead, he suggested an alternative. All three boys were okay with that one, so Brian pushed the cartridge into the console and scooted back on the carpet, handing the second joystick to Jason. Since only two players were allowed at a time, Eric settled in to focus on devouring his sandwich. Jason was player one. He began expertly returning the little soaring dot to the rainbow line of bricks above. At this early stage of the game, the ball moved very slowly, like a drifting cream puff. The boys knew it would get harder to keep up with the perfect performance as the game advanced. First the yellow row, then orange, then green, then red. 
Jason chipped away at the wall of color. Finally, after his ball broke through the red level, the paddle shrank in size and the speed picked up. He missed the ball a few times and it was Brian's turn. Brian was just as good at the game since he was the one who had a console at home. In the end, he won and gave the joystick to Eric, who was now patiently waiting in front of his empty plate. After they had tired of wielding their digital paddles, the boys moved on to a different game. This one happened to be Eric's favorite. He enjoyed the mesmerizing march of the dull yellow aliens across the screen. The percussive sound effects were oddly soothing, and the appearance of the purple spaceship provided just enough energy to keep the game interesting. All three boys played well, and the game continued for some time. Finally, the lunch break seemed to reach its natural end, and the boys grew antsy to get back out into the neighborhood. It was a perfect time of day to catch friends at play in the street, and they didn't want to miss anything good. Locking the door behind him, Brian followed his friends to their waiting bikes. The sun was at its highest in the sky now. If he looked down the length of the street, he could see just the hint of a shimmer from the heat. He gave his bike a rolling start and then hopped on. Following Jason and Eric as they coasted down to the bottom of the street. Race you to the playground, Eric said. And all three boys pedaled in the direction of the schoolyard. There was something liberating about soaring onto the school grounds with no adults to tell them to slow down or walk their bikes. They circled around the asphalt basketball court and then dropped their bicycles in the dirt. Jason and Eric headed straight for the tetherball pole. Brian took a seat on one of the swings and began to pump his legs back and forth. Back and forth. He was soon swinging so high that the chains of the swing would slacken a bit and then he'd swoop back down. The wind rushed against his face and then the back of his neck. He tried to see over the top of the school fence into the neighbor's yards, leaning into the motion. He closed his eyes and experienced a soothing, rocking sensation. 
Each swing was punctuated by the thunk of the tetherball as friends were hitting back and forth nearby. He slowed his swing until he had almost stopped and then finished the job by dragging his Velcro sneakers through the dirt. Sliding out of the black seat of the swing, he strode over to the monkey bars and hoisted himself up. When he was smaller, it had been hard to pull himself all the way across, but it was no problem now. He felt very grown up when he breezed down the row of silver bars and hopped to the ground. The tetherball game was slowing down, and Brian realized he was warm and thirsty after his playground exertions. Let's go get a drink at the quick shop, he suggested. His friends gladly agreed, and they left the playground behind to ride the short distance to the nearby convenience store. They didn't bother to lock up their bikes. After all, this was still just the edge of their housing tract. Pushing open the swinging door of the store, they felt a wall of cold air whoosh at them from inside. It felt so good to get out of the sun. Brian stuck his hand in his pocket and checked for his dollar bill. It was still there. Jason went straight for the soda fountain took a jumbo cup and started filling it. He stopped at each and every type of soda and put some in his cup, making a huge sugary mixture. Eric thought that these mixed sodas tasted gross, but Jason just shrugged. Whether or not it tasted good was not the point. The point was, he could do it if he wanted to. Brian walked the length of the cooler, surveying the canned drinks. He was split between an orange soda and a grape soda, but eventually landed on the grape. Meanwhile, Jason grabbed a strawberry milk. The boys walked the tantalizing snack owl to the front, gazing at the packaged cakes and salty chips. On impulse, Brian picked up a packet of popping sugar candy. He would still have enough money after paying for his grape soda. Each boy handed his cash to the teenager tending the register and then headed back outside to open his drink. They sat on the curb in front of the empty parking spaces. Jason drank reflectively from his straw, consuming at least seven kinds of soda in one sip. Brian pulled the tab off his grape soda and then studied the popping candy he bought. 
Are you going to eat them with a mouthful of soda? Eric asked. Brian regarded Eric as he sipped on his fizzy purple drink. It tasted unbelievably refreshing in the summer sun. Tiny bubbles fizzed cheerfully all the way down his throat. Maybe next time, Brian responded. He had heard stories about people eating this candy with soda. In truth, he wasn't anxious to try it. He grinned, tearing the top off the packet and holding it out. Each boy put his hand forward and then tossed his share of the candy into his mouth and enjoyed the crackling, popping sensation. It was like swallowing candy that glittered. The boys brushed their hands off and stood up to retrieve their bikes. Jason's plan was to make a wide circle around the neighborhood and see if any other kids were out. As the trio sailed onto the street, they passed some other boys from their class who were rolling into the quick shop. A chorus of hellos were exchanged, but nobody slowed down. Brian coasted down a gentle incline, focusing on the sight of Eric's tube socks and sneakers in front of him. There was a route they liked to ride that would take them on a circuit around the outer streets of the housing development. The boys flew past one side street where some younger kids were out playing Foursquare. Their moms were seated in lawn chairs nearby with their feet soaking in a baby pool. Pumping their pedals harder, the boys summited the next little hill. Off to the right, they could see a couple of girls from their class lying in the front yard of a house. Each girl had a magazine she was reading. Next to them, a cassette player was playing a mixtape. Their banana seat bikes were parked neatly in the driveway, all leaning in the same direction on their kickstands. The boys slowed down and raised their hands in casual greeting. Each in turn, they stopped their bikes, standing non-committally. They weren't sure if it was worth their time to slow down and talk to Heather and Michelle. What are you guys doing? Heather asked peering over her plastic sunglasses. All the boys shrugged, looking at each other. They were doing everything, of course, and nothing. The second girl rolled over and sat up, setting her magazine aside. Want a popsicle? She asked. At this... Every boy became animated. 
Michelle got up from her towel and walked to the house, entering through the glass sliding door in the back. While she was gone, the kids exchanged summer news. Who was at camp? Who got an above-ground pool? Who was moving away? Eric shared a funny story about how he'd run into their old second-grade teacher at the supermarket. The kids all laughed. For some reason, it was very weird for any of them to see a teacher outside of school. Michelle returned from the house carrying the promised box of popsicles. She explained that these were the double kind, so they'd have to split them. Pulling out three packets in the box, she opened each one in turn, popping the white packet apart and shaking out the frozen treat inside. Then she broke them expertly in half, handing a red one to Eric and then Jason. They started eating right away as the syrup from the popsicle dripped down their fingers in the heat. Michelle then gave an orange one to Brian and Heather. Lastly, she opened a purple one for herself, asking who wanted the extra other half. Having just finished his red popsicle in a few big bites, Eric gladly accepted. The kids laughed as he dropped his old popsicle stick in the box. Then, they all sat together on the grass, slowly working their way around the popsicles so that their hands wouldn't get sticky. It was nearly impossible not to get any on their faces. Everyone accepted this as a hazard of summer living. When all the sticks were in the box, they went over one by one and darted under the nearby sprinkler, spraying themselves as they tried to rinse their hands in the moving shower of water. Back and forth the sprinkler went, so predictable, yet so difficult to outwit. By the time their hands were clean, most of them had gotten their clothes a little wet. But that was part of doing summer right, after all. After shaking the water from their hands, they all laid back in the grass for a minute and watched the clouds. Pointing out shapes in the sky, here they saw a car there, a dog. Everyone laughed when Brian saw what he claimed was a slice of pizza. A discussion followed about favorite pizza toppings and whether pineapple should be included. The group was divided on this point. Side A of the mixtape ended and Heather popped it out 
and flipped it over. Somehow, this created the natural break the boys were waiting for. In fact, Brian realized that soon, he would have to call home and check in with his mom, who'd be returning from work any time. Waving goodbye, the boys made their exit. Determined to finish at least one loop around the neighborhood, they pedaled hard. It was as if they felt the afternoon waning and wanted to squeeze every last drop out of it. Eventually, they found themselves at Eric's house. They pushed open the front door, once again grateful for the chilled air against their faces. They stumbled out of their shoes, a little clumsier after a full day of bike riding, dam building, and playground games. Eric's mom greeted them with a smile and asked where they'd been today. Nowhere, everywhere, they shrugged in unison. Brian asked if he could call his mom. He knew the phone was hanging on the wall in the kitchen. Padding across the brown carpet of the family room, he rounded the corner and picked up the receiver of the almond-colored phone, punching the seven buttons of his home number. While it was ringing, Eric came into the kitchen and whispered, Ask your mom if you can stay for dinner. We're having spaghetti. Brian grinned and twisted his fingers in the pleasingly stretchy coils of the phone cord. Spaghetti was his favorite. Jason couldn't stay. He promised his mom he'd be home on the early side. So he made his exit. As he hopped down the front steps, both Brian and Eric waved at him through the screen door. They knew they would meet up again tomorrow. Brian and Eric went back into the family room, and Eric switched on the TV. He was one of the first kids in the neighborhood to have cable. Watching music videos was a must. They helped themselves to a glass of milk from the refrigerator and watched TV while they relaxed. By the time dinner and dessert had been eaten, the street lights were coming on. Brian knew his mom was expecting him home a little after dusk, so it was time to head out. Thanking Eric's parents for having him, he pulled his Velcro sneakers on for a final time that day. Then he pushed into the warm and humid evening outside, waving to Eric as the door closed behind him. With the onset of twilight, 
the crickets had come alive. They were singing all around, creating an intense feeling that summer was at its peak. Brian picked up his bike from the grass next to the driveway and pushed it slowly down the driveway, hopping on as it gained momentum. Turning toward his own house, he zigzagged left and right again, trying to touch the sidewalk under each streetlight, as if he were once again bouncing through a pinball machine. At the top of his own street, he slowed down and drew out the last leg of his ride as long as he could. Looking at the lawns on his right, he saw a tiny pinprick of light appear and disappear. Then another. Then another. The lightning bugs were out. He always considered it a true sign of a proper summer night when they made their appearance. Then, where only two or three lightning bugs had been, it suddenly seemed like there were tens or even hundreds. They winked and glowed in all the yards on his street as he approached home. The lightning bugs were giving him an idea. Maybe tomorrow, Brian thought, he could get his mom to agree to let him stay out after dark. He would really like to organize a game of flashlight tag. Then, happy, tired, full of treats, a little dirty, and a little lost in thought. Brian rode up the driveway. He parked his trusty bike in the grass, whispered a quiet goodnight, and disappeared inside the house to rest up for another summer day. <laughs>